The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush-rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Hi everyone and welcome to a new show this week of Mind Radio. We are going to talk about the topic, 7 things that will make you a hero to your children. Our guest today, Thomas Gagliano, and life mentor, shares his parenting advice, including why parents will want to hear what he has to say on this topic. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So it is so interesting. I, I love the title where you say, Seven Things That Will Make You a Hero to Your Children. That in itself would want to, half of America would want to listen because... Um, we lose respect sometimes with our children and they don't always feel that we are their hero anymore. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But before we dive into it, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, first of all, I came from a, a tough childhood. I had uh, a lot of abuses and addictions in my background. Okay. And, and I had a very tough relationship with my dad. He he was an alcoholic, and and when, if he didn't come home at a certain time, and many was going to come home, and he was going to hurt someone, and many was going to come home drunk. And I really, really uh, tried my best to um, to give my children what my father couldn't give me, and that was to give them a safe place where they can cry in their father's arms and they could share their feelings, whatever those feelings were. And I, I was not a saint. I had my own set of issues growing up, and I did my own personal damage. And it got to the point that uh, that I had to fix what was broken inside of me. And, and after I took years to do that through therapy and a lot of other things, um, I started to help other people that were damaged from their childhood. I ran groups, schools, churches, and eventually I wrote uh, a book called The Problem Was Me. And it's a book about taking responsibility. It's about my life and, uh, and how I've helped. There's about 10, 11 stories in there and how I use my methodology to help other people. Um, but here's, here's a very uh, interesting story I have for you. Um, okay. My son was about eight years old, and we were watching a baseball game on TV. And he said to me, hey, Dad, how come the kids in the stands root so hard for their favorite baseball player? And I said, well, those baseball players are the heroes. And he stopped, and he was thinking about what I said. And finally he said, you know, Dad, they may be my heroes someday, but you're always going to be my first hero. And we are our children's first heroes, whether we want that responsibility or not. But we have to keep that hero status going. And that's the seven tips that I talk about. Okay. 
But that's um, just back uh, to your book for just a second. Sure, sure. The problem was me. I find that very interesting because I try to get children to understand that you can blame the whole world for everything that is happening. For example, like you just said, an alcoholic parent or we had no money. There's always a reason why children think that they will not succeed in life. But basically, if they take their own lives into their hands, they are responsible for making it work. Of course, not under a certain age, but at a certain point, you have to leave your issues and move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, what, yeah, what yeah. I realized in my life is I was a victim as a kid, a legitimate victim. I mean, things happened to me that weren't fair, things that I didn't deserve. But see, Gabrielle, what I did is I developed this victim mentality where I wanted the world to pay the bill for what happened to me as a kid. And when the world didn't cooperate, I had this destructive entitlement. I was a bully as a kid, too. I, I hurt people the way I was hurting inside. And, and again, it's, it, it set up a very lonely life until I took responsibility and, and worked on the damage inside of me. And when I did that, I developed that methodology that I have in my book, uh, and and that's what I do with other people. You know, it, w there are those out there that are legitimate victims. Things happen to them that aren't fair. But what happens is you develop this victim mentality, and you expect more from the world than the world's going to give you. And when that happens, it's it's it can create a lot of problems. Absolutely, I I agree totally with that. Yep. So let's start with the seven things that will make you a hero to your children. Tell me the first one. The first and most important uh, tip I can give your audience is that we need to create a safe environment for our children. What I mean by that is we got to create a safe place where they can tell us their feelings, even if it's not what we want to hear. If we can keep a safe place where our children can tell us their feelings, their sexual orientation, anything, anything. That's the first element of really being the hero is making it safe. Again, is with my dad, if, when I uh, when I did something wrong, my dad addressed me as his little girl. That was how he addressed me, and I was never safe sharing anything with him. And remember, kids are egocentric. If their father or mother don't give them the time that they need. They don't look at it like their parents are at fault. They look at it like something's wrong with me. I'm damaged goods. I'm not good enough. So if you create that safe place for your child where they can share anything that they want, even if it's not what you want to hear, already you're creating an environment where they know that you got their back. And already you're building an inner strength. Absolutely. Hold that thought. We'll be right back after the commercial break, everyone. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? 
Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. tuned in to might radio do you have a question or comment for our show perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness please send an email to gabriella von ray at gmail.com that's g-a-b-r-i-e-l-l-a-v-a-n-r-i-j at gmail.com now back to might radio with gabriella von ray hi everyone so the seven things that will make you a hero to your children with our guest, Thomas Gagliano. Thomas, you were saying, let's just take it back to the top. You were saying that the first one was to create a safe place for your child, a safe environment to talk and to communicate. Yes. yes. Can you elaborate a little bit? Because I'm sure some of us missed that part. Yeah, sure. Um, the most important element in a house is the foundation. If you don't have a good foundation, the house falls down. And I believe the most important element in a relationship with your children is having a safe environment. And what I mean by that is the place where your children can share their feelings, whatever they are. Maybe even telling you things you don't want to hear. Uh, their fears, their sexual orientation, whatever that is. If you've got a safe place with your children that they can share those things, you've already began to build inner strength in them. Remember, a child doesn't have the ability to see uh, when their parents aren't paying attention to them. They don't have the ability to understand that it's their parents' stuff. They believe that it's something wrong with them, that they're damaged or their parents would listen and pay attention to them. My father, as a child, when I did something wrong, he addressed me as his little girl. I was not allowed to share feelings or my pains or frustrations with him. I felt like something was wrong with me. And what I do with my children is, again, I create that place where they can share their feelings, they can cry on my shoulders, they can do all of these things, mm-hmm. um, and I make that place safe for them. So that's, that's the first key element. Could you, for the listener, sorry to interrupt you, but for the listener, could you just tell them what for you are three of the key foundations that these children need? Yeah, well, first of all, in communications, okay, um, as, as a parent, we all mm-hmm. want to guide our children. We all want to tell them what they should be doing right and wrong, and it's fine. That's, that's important mm-hmm. to do that. But there are times we've got to relinquish the need to be right with our children and instead okay. choose closeness. Um, listen to them is the way we'll get them to listen to us. So one of the key factors is to relinquish the need to be right with our children and choose closeness instead at times. Uh, children want to be heard, uh, not always told what to do. Even though that's important, uh, we got to relinquish that right sometimes. Uh, another thing that I do with my children is when I see them struggling, I stop and I, I don't react. I think about... You know, what would I have wanted to hear from my father or mother at that time? What would, would have been nice for me to tell them? I let, in other words, I let compassion guide what I say in the way I say it. I don't always rush in. Sometimes I just stop and I think about, you know, what they need to hear from me. So that's, that's some of the things that I do with my children. I, I agree totally, but I also know as a parent myself how much effort that takes. 
because in this rush rush world where we hold up two jobs it's not always easy to take the time and i know we end up being sometimes snippier than we would want to absolutely yeah it's it's hard i mean we you're absolutely right you know we live in a world that finances uh, we we have parents uh, spouses there's a lot of stuff going on and sometimes yeah. it's it's not always easy to pull back uh, and be that um, be that compassionate. But what I have learned to do is to not react. When I react, somehow, some way, I get myself in trouble. So I mean not to react. And sometimes it becomes a we process. Sometimes I have to call up other parents that I'm close to and throw some of the stuff at them. And you'd be amazed at how that moment of reflection can get you to go back and to really be, be that compassionate person that you really want to be. Yeah, of course. No, I, I see that totally. All right. Number two. Um, I, I, I believe that we have to celebrate our children's victories. Uh, and this is what I mean by that. You know, we live in a world where sometimes everybody gets trophies. And I don't mean celebrate the external victories they have. But, you know, sometimes our children feel good about something, whatever that is. It might not be important to us, but it's important to them. They're proud of something that they've done. And to celebrate those victories, to me, is to go and go out and get a slice of pizza, uh, get an ice cream, show your child that you're proud of them, even if it's getting a B on a test that you thought they should have gotten an A on. It's really giving them that self-esteem to tell them, you know what, I'm proud of you. Just because you're proud of you, it's really important to celebrate those victories with your child. I agree totally. But again, in, in practicality, I see so many parents want their children only to perform. Right. And perform, I really mean perform, because we tend to ask them, you know, at the end of the day, how the test was. We, we're more result-oriented than actually saying, hey, listen, I know you worked like crazy for this test. Hope it went well. That question never arises in that direction. It's always, so what was the result? I'll share something uh, with you. Mm -hmm. I, I run a lot of groups today. I run parenting okay. groups, men, women's groups. I do a lot of marriage consulting. And I had mm -hmm. a couple come in to me the other day, and the husband uh, was talking to me and saying that when he talks to his wife, he says she seems to shut down a lot or get angry at him, and he can't understand it. When I went through this wife's childhood, I found out that she had a great childhood, all positive messages, she said, except she said when I would give my mother my report card, my mother would make this face. Now, she wouldn't say a word. She'd make this face, nonverbal message. Mm -hmm. And what I realized in her adult life is whenever she felt her husband had a similar face, and, Gabrielle, I call this time traveling. I talk about this in my book. When we react, like we go back to reacting as if we did when we were 10 years old. Yeah, like triggers. Right. Whenever mm -hmm. he made this face or made her feel defective, she would shut down and become that 10-year-old little girl. So, you know what? I, I, I understand that we all want the very best for our children. But unconditional love is what unconditional love is. It's not conditioned on something that they need to do. And for this lady, when the husband and, 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 and she also realized this time-traveling process, they were better able to have empathy for each other. So we've got to be careful as parents 
that we don't create expectations for our children that they start to feel defective if they don't meet them. Because many people who come to me don't try in their life because they're so afraid of failing that the fear of failing outweighs the willingness to give it the effort. Yeah, absolutely. But I see some, when my daughter was in school, she's now 24, but I saw some fanatic parents, especially in the sports arena, with oh, their yeah. children. You, oh, yeah. you, you know that instantly. The moment I say that, you see that parent that lives almost their own dream through that child. That's right. And if that child doesn't score a touchdown or a... Uh, obviously, I don't know that much about football, <laughs> and, or whatever it is, whether oh, it's ballet, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yes, yes. <laughs> they are so fanatic, and I always, I, I remember always telling my daughter, it's about the participation and team. It's about your team. Your team needs to win. You help your team to succeed at something. Absolutely, and isn't that a marriage? It's a team. And I talk about I this to couples, too. It's a team. It's, yeah. it's not always 50-50, too. Sometimes one has to give more than the other. You know, in a mm. baseball game, I know you don't know a lot about sports, but in a <laughs> baseball game, if a pitcher is getting rocked one day and he's given up a lot of runs, well, the yeah. hitters could turn around and say, you know what? We give up. Or they could say, well, maybe we got to do a little bit more than we thought we had to. Maybe we got to get more runs than we figured we had to. Mm -hmm. Same thing in a marriage. Same thing in a situation with our children. You know, sometimes it's not always a perfect give and take. Sometimes we have to give more than we receive in certain situations because it is a team. But uh, in a family, the team has to start from the top. The coalition has to be mom and dad first, then the children next. But how do children then, I, I like that you just said the coalition of mom and dad, but how do children, how do children keep their parents as heroes when you have all these new composite families, you know what I mean by that, right? Where people are divorced, and so your son ends up living with a stepmom or a stepdad and two other children. You know what I mean? With with all that chaos around them, I find it really difficult for them to to keep their own foundation and their identity among all of that. And it, absolutely, that's not really easy to do, but. Um, the most important thing is, and, and what I see in families is, to put your children um, where they should be, and they come first. Again, yeah. if a child feels that mom and dad are divorced, and mom is using the child to get at dad, or dad's using the child to get at mom, or trying to get information from the child, mm -hmm. the child is going to feel unimportant. That is a damage that they will carry throughout their whole life, and if they don't address that damage, they're going to pay a high price for that denial. So to, to be able to work that out, the child has to be put first in a divorce where their needs have, have to be respected, and they can't be a ping-pong ball. I've seen divorces where uh, uh, parents do that and the children turn out all right, and then I've seen divorces where the, chi uh, where the, where the children are used in that uh, way, to get back at the parent, or, or the, and then it's a disaster. Again, the child's going to grow up feeling less than. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Number three. Um, okay, what do you have for number three? What is the question? So, 
No, number uh, for your seven things that make your your child um, think of you as the hero. So the first one was a safe place. Right. The second one is to truly celebrate their victories, whatever the victory could be. Right. And number three. Okay, it's also important, and this is this is this is where I really grab in my book. In my book, uh, I speak about a warden, and a warden is that little inner critic. The warden is that little inner voice inside our head that is constantly telling us what we're doing wrong, not allowing us to celebrate our victories. And mm -hmm. as a parent, if I have a warden, that little inner critic, I am going to give that inner voice to my child, whether I want to or not. So part yes. of becoming a hero to our children is really becoming a hero to ourselves, is working on our own shortcomings. If I show my child that I'm willing to work on myself, I'm willing to ask for help when needed, Okay, that is going to give my child a great message. If I don't work on myself, if I don't work on that warden, that inner critic that I have, I'm going to hand that inner critic right down to my child, and it's going to create a lot of destruction. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's very important uh, part of taking responsibility, as we spoke about earlier, taking responsibility for for ourselves and then teaching our children to take responsibility for them. Okay. So it's basically trying not to hand down your inner critic. Right. And, and, but that's not easy to do, Gabrielle. That's, no, I know. You know, it's you got to really, really look in. And to me, not to do that, it becomes a we process, not a me process. Sometimes you got to solicit the help of other people, you know, therapists, coach, friends, that, are, uh, that you're trying to, you know, really become a better person yourself. And in essence, you'll hand that, down to your children as well. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, I, I agree. And it's good for children to see that parents, I always think that they shouldn't put us on a pedestal to begin with. Right. We're just right. human beings too. Right, right. Okay. Um, I also feel that uh, it's, it's another important tip is it's very important to be curious with your children. And what I mean by that is know who their friends are, know what sites they go on on the computer, Really become curious and talkative with your children. You know, sometimes when you do that, your child may look at you like you have two heads. Like, you know, don't you have something better to do than to butt into my life? And, yeah. you know, yeah. that could be the message at one stage of their life. But eventually, mm -hmm. they're going to understand that the message at a latter stage in their life was that, you know what, mom and dad really care about me. It was really done through love. So you might get a little friction now doing it. But at the end of the day, you're going to be rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. I remember that I got punished when I was 10 minutes late at home. But I told someone yesterday, I at least had a parent waiting. Right, right. So the 10-minute the punishment was more because they're worried, what the heck happened to you? You could have had an accident. You, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. So I, I, I always remember that I at least had a parent I was right. home and I didn't have to have a key around my neck and I remember thinking that that was a joy even though it was a pain too at times I did as an adult I know what a joy it is to have a parent at home oh it's 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 it, and you know what it's not just for kids it's for it's for it's for adults as well you know again when I help a couple and and, and a mom will tell me all the things that that trying to be right with a husband all the things that the husband's doing that's not good, and the husband will tell me all the things that she's doing that's not good. And, you know, when you take all of that detail out of the conversation, they want the same thing. 
They want to know that the other one cares for them, that they matter, that they're important mm-hmm. to the other one, and so do our children. I mean, we all do in life. All of us really have a voice deep inside that's really screaming for love and, and, and wanting to be important. But we, we cover that up so many times in our life by so many details, so many ways that we want to be right to our children, to our husband, to our wife, to our partner. And underneath it all, we really just want to be heard. We want to, we want to know that we're important. Yeah, absolutely. I agree totally. Let's go for number four. Okay. Um, number four is, uh, as, I, as I said before, is really um, to really pay attention to your children when they do struggle in life. And, and when you confront them that when they struggle, there's going to be that need for them to pull back, to isolate, to feel distant from you. And I think that the, the important thing always in that situation is not to jump right in there and, and, and solve the problem. You know, I know for my son um, and for my wife, many times I'll think about what they need from me before I jump into that. And there was a situation, you talk about baseball with my son, that we, uh, he was pitching in this little league game, and he didn't pitch good at all. He gave up a lot of runs. And I remember after the game, I said, you know, what can I tell him that would really help him? And as a dad, and I know there's a lot of dads out there listening to this, I started in with, you know, he's got to follow through better. He's got to keep his shoulder in. He's got to do all of these mechanical things. You know what I'll do? After the game, I'll say, hey, let's go have a catch. I'll help him. And after the game, I walked over to him. He's in front of all his friends. And he was down. You know, he, he knew he didn't pitch well. And all he did, he looked at me and he said, Dad, I need a hug. I need a hug. That's what he needed from me. Not all the pitching mechanics and not all the other stuff. All he needed really from me at that point was a hug. And he told me. And that's where the safe environment comes in because he was safe enough to tell me that. And the funny thing was in front of his 11, 12-year-old friends, he just gave me this big hug for lasted about a minute and we walked away. He told me what he needed. Sometimes we can ask our children, hey, what do you need from me right now? It's okay. You know, it's okay to ask. But it gets real complicated when kids don't want to communicate. And I also understand that parents kind of feel like they're, the, the wall kind of builds up. Because, honest, the older your kids get, the more, they're, the more communication they need, the more everything they need, I feel. Yeah, but the question, I mean, the question also is, why aren't they communicating? Now, it may not be the parent's reason. I'm not saying it always is. No, but no. a parent can say, how can I make it safe again? How can I make it safe for them to communicate with me? And, I, and, and again, with my oldest son, you know, when he graduated high school and he had this decision where to go, what to do with the rest of his life, and everybody's telling him he should do this, he should do that. And I remember coming to him one day and saying, you know what? I wouldn't want to be you. It's got to really be hard for you right now to be getting out of high school and everybody telling you what to do and feeling mm-hmm. so overwhelmed by all this. I says, I would be so afraid. And, you know, I got to tell you, when I said that, he gravitated to me instantly because I wasn't telling him what to do. Instead, no. I was sharing, really, the fears that he wasn't really talking to me about. But when I gave him a little bit of what it must, must be like in the sense of how difficult it is, that's when he started to open up and talk to me. Absolutely. Hold that thought. We'll be right back after the commercial break, everyone.
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, everyone, and we're here with our guest, Thomas Gagliano. Good enough. I almost made a mistake there. Sorry about that. That's all right. And the seven things that will make you a hero to your children. It's I felt the mistake and I started laughing already. <laughs> um, so what you were saying just before the break was really interesting because for your child to open up, you had to dig deep within yourself to give him something of what you struggled at his age. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's my experience and to be, to give him, um, a reflection of non-judgmentalness is really what I wanted to do. And you know, if it falls into the last piece, the last of the seven tips, and that's to be able to, uh, allow our children to know that they can make mistakes in life. It doesn't mean they are a mistake. I, I, I can't stress this enough. Now that doesn't mean that we don't guide them and discipline them and give them uh, consequences mm-hmm. for when they do something wrong, consequences that are done through love. I'm not saying that that's not all important, but if we don't give our children the message that they can make a mistake, it's okay. They will not develop compassion for themselves as they grow older. And, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book on bullying now, and, and I said to you earlier is that I was a bully as a kid, and I had to fix the damage inside of me. And what I realized is I had no compassion for myself. I was never allowed to make a mistake. When I made a mistake, I felt like I was a mistake. It identified myself as a mistake. And if I'm doing that to my children, if I'm saying that if you fail, you are a failure, not that I'm directly saying that, but if I'm giving them that message, it's going to have terrible consequences. You know, we see people that are perfectionists today. 
where they have to do everything perfect. They do one thing wrong, and at the end of the day, what do they think of? What they did wrong. We don't mm-hmm. want to create that kind of role in our children. And these childhood messages that I talk about really impact the roles we play from intimacy to the jobs we take to our parenting skills. They infiltrate every aspect of our being. So it's real important, that message, that you can make a mistake. It's okay. It's okay. We all do. But we as as adults do it already. Think, think for example, for being a host of a radio show. I remember when I did my first one, um, a friend said, I listened to it. It was really good. And I said, but didn't you hear this mistake, this mistake, this? You, right. you know how funny it is. You, you go off, you're your own worst critic. So oh, you go the- off a list of what you think was not good enough, right? Right, and that's, in, in, you're in, right. And so we create, even in ourselves, that own expectation. Now, I didn't have any children around when I said it. Right. But when I was done saying it, I really almost have to whack myself at the side of my head and say, stop it. Yeah, Because right. it's not important. You did it, and you'll learn. Well, you were whacking that warden that I'm talking about. That's yeah. what you were whacking. You were saying, give me a break, get off my back, I can make a mistake. Now, again, I'll go back to... My life, and what I want to tell my children, my life was filled with a lot of discouragement as a child. And I developed what my warden constantly told me, is that if I should stumble in life, it meant I was a mistake. It was The pain was intolerable. And he also told me not to trust people, not to become intimate with anybody, because you were only going to get hurt, which was the version of intimacy I saw my mom and dad doing when I was a kid. So he has these ingrained beliefs, verbal and nonverbal, that really take over every, as I said before, every aspect of my life. And one of them that was really important was to know that none of us are happy when we make a mistake. Sure, I mean, we always have a little bit of that inner critic, but some of us have an inner critic that's so strong that we just can't get over things. It's so persecuting. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I agree with you. I call it uh, paralyzing that, that people become, you know, the 100%. mistake becomes so paralyzing to them, right? That's an oh, excellent way of describing it. It is paralyzing. You can't move your feet. And, and, and what I tell people, and this is, again, is I discuss in my groups what your warden is telling you. Because I believe, Gabriella, that there are times in your life things and fears could become so paralyzing that you just can't move your feet by yourself. You've got to take the hand of somebody else if you're going to get your feet moving. And that's why I really believe that getting through these uh, tough parts of our life become a we process, not a me process. Yeah. But if a bully, if you, if you most children have experienced bullying, and we all know that words really hurt. And what I don't understand when I see the young parents today that have gone through bullying and have gone through situations at home that aren't always um, ideal, if I can say it that way, which is yeah. quite mild, uh, right. then um, how come they do not, this is something that I'm, that's really near and dear to my heart, is why doesn't a parent take the time to not react, to just breathe? I always tell them 10 seconds is enough. And then talk, because whatever they're going to say to that child, that child is going to remember it. Right, right. Uh, and again, it's a great question, and the only answer I can give you is okay. working on yourself first. You know, if I again, if I don't fix, you know, you said to yourself, you said earlier, you know, uh, some parents live their lives through their kids in, in baseball and football games and sports. 
Well, mm-hmm. there's something that is not nurtured inside of you for, for a person to really be doing that. There was a need that wasn't, uh, that you didn't get met. And mm-hmm. again, it comes down to, I cannot give my children what I don't have. I can't give my children compassion if I don't have compassion for myself. I can't give my children a loving uh, 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 belief system if I have an inner critic sitting on my shoulder. So again, it comes down to I can't give what I don't have. And it's the same thing with, with our spouses in a marriage. It's hard to give what I don't have. So you almost need to empower the parent first because some parents don't believe that there is anything to fix. Um, and I don't like the word fix, really, Thomas. Uh, can we find another word for that? Heal, heal, heal. Heal. There's yeah, something and, and inside of you that makes you angry or which makes you live through the life of your child. Right. And you need to work and heal through that. Yeah, and, and, and here's the telltale giveaway. is if, if my anger in a certain situation doesn't warrant the situation, if something makes me explode and the reason for why I exploded doesn't make sense, that means I'm time traveling and that awakened an earlier feeling in me that was really painful. I believe that what we do is when we get afraid in life, we do what we did when we were young to keep ourselves safe. For me, when I got afraid that dad was going to do something to mom, I had to control the situation. I had to make sure my mother was in the bedroom safe. I had to control to be safe. And what I realized in my adult life, and I've worked on this, is when I get afraid, my need to control the people and environment around me pop up because that's what I needed to keep myself safe as a kid. This is all stuff that I work on. This is the awareness piece that we need in order to know what actions we have to take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think everything is action-reaction, and it starts really early. And if you look at my business website, it really says, basically, I think fear starts from the moment we have to interact. Yeah. And the interaction starts with the parents, continues in the playground, in the workforce, government, churches. And before we know it, we're grown up, and we do exactly the same thing we did 45 years ago. Without a doubt. You know, our parents... And society, but our parents were the ones that gave us the messages that created the way we look at the world and the world looks at us. They mm-hmm. gave us our perception of how the world views us and, and the whole deal. So, you know, if, if for me, if I'm a kid and I see uh, uh, my parents are loving and nurturing and supportive to each other, well, now I grow up with a definition of intimacy that means closeness and trust and warmth. Now, if I grow up seeing my parents fighting and yelling and vulnerability is not safe, well, now, when I'm older, I'm in a relationship and I'm saying, why do I keep sabotaging this relationship? Why do I keep, you know, and how many people out there listening to your show can attest to, why do I keep sabotaging the relationships in my life? Well, if you go back to the definition of intimacy you viewed as a child, a lot of those answers will be there. Mm-hmm. True. That's true. I have a question for you. It's probably too long to answer totally before the break, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Sure. How many parents, and again, I don't want to blame anyone here, but we kind of give in. Um, I've been in that situation too, where you kind of feel there's so much pressure from your children and there's so much expectation that you end up giving them a lot of material things. 
100%. instead of having that one-on-one dinner or right. a cup of tea and an ice cream cone. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, and 100%. Because you're so 100%. under pressure to give them a smartphone and and yep. this and that. And you end up giving that, but you feel, I think as a parent, you feel pretty empty-handed because they go to the corner, they say, thanks, Dad, and there they sit, and, and you have no more communication with them. Right, and they don't what learn how to communicate. Yeah. Well, you're 100 percent right. You know, you know, as I said before, um, now I'm dealing with writing this book on bullying and parenting skills. And when we just give to our kids, there's a lot of negative things that happen from that. First of all, we're giving out of guilt, which isn't good. We're giving out of oh, gee, they got to have what everybody else has, which is really not a good reason to to give. We're also setting up a situation where they're not earning what they're getting. So they're going to go out in the world and feel, well, isn't the world going to treat me like mom and dad? If I want, I should have. And that is not how the world is going to treat them. So we're setting it up, really making it so much harder for them when they get outside in the world because they're not going to know how to deal with things. Their coping mechanisms are going to be affected. They're not going to learn to cope in a healthy way. They're going to cope in a way where, again, why don't I have what I have? It's a self-centered type of thinking. And another thing with all this stuff is they don't gain interpersonal connections. They're stuck texting and playing games and doing all of these video things. And what they're doing is their social skills as well are distorted. So there's a lot of, of, uh, I understand, I've done the same thing with my kids, so I'm not sitting here saying I've never done that. Many times I've overindulged and given too much, but I can tell you that the, the, after, after the effects of that are just not healthy. Yeah, see, I knew that. For parents out there, really, the simplicity of taking your child somewhere for an ice cream cone is worth everything, I think, to the child and to you. And it's a memory that you'll remember forever. We're going into commercial break, and we'll be right back with our guest, Thomas Gagliano. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. What if you were willing to be controversial, choosing kindness instead of judgment, willing to stand out from the crowd, being a leader in creating a new reality, even if others don't follow? You can make a difference. Start by tuning in to The Value of Controversy. Each week, our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness. Listen for The Value of Controversy every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now... Back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. 
Hi, everyone, and we're back with Thomas Gagliano. I did not make a mistake this time. <laughs> Thomas, we only have 10 more minutes left. So one of the things I quickly want to get in there for the listener, how can they obtain your book, The Problem Was Me? Uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can go to my website, theproblemwasme.com, uh, and uh, um, uh, leave any questions you have. You can get my book on... Um, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, ebook, e-reader, uh, and uh, I have some uh, some pretty neat YouTube videos on my um, on my uh, site about bullying, about parenting, about uh, uh, um, substance abuse, about a lot of things. So have some fun. And for the listeners, uh, just in case you don't know, you go to VoiceAmerica.com, you go to the Empowerment Channel, you go to Might Radio. You click on Thomas Gagliano's name, you will find his bio, you will find every link that he just mentioned in there, his Twitter, his Facebook, and how to obtain his book. Okay, back to the subject, Thomas. Um, we are, I think, too short of what will make you a hero in your children's lives. Um, yeah, I, as I said, that, uh, that story with my son, stating that, you know, no matter what happens in his life, that I'll always be his first hero, is something to, for all of us to really, really uh, understand, because, you know, we all of us are our children's first heroes, and we may not want that responsibility or not, but we are their first heroes, and okay. if we can keep, if we can keep the communications clear, if we work on ourselves, if, if we do certain things, we will give them the inner strength they need so that when they go out in the world, they're going to be more prepared for the bullies of the world. They're not going to target themselves as victims, and they're going to cope with life in a much healthier way. Um, because remember, how they learn to cope is through the way we have showed them how to cope and how we cope ourselves. Yeah, and our, our methods aren't always right. <laughs> no, and that, you know what? It's okay to make mistakes. Again, going back to what we spoke about before, it's okay. As long as when I make a mistake, there may be an opportunity to grow from that and not to create uh, the, uh, the belief in myself that I am a mistake. True. So, and seven, what would seven then be? What? What's that? Uh, number seven. Uh, number I think I did number seven. Okay, let me tell you real quickly and for the listener to what I have. Number one, a safe place. Number two, celebrate your child's victories. Number three, not hand down your inner critic to your children to right. work on yourself. Right. Four, pay attention to your children when they struggle. Right. Whatever that means, open communication or talking or just being with them. Five, right. allow mistakes. Six, definitely become and maintain being the first hero in their lives. Right. And take the responsibility of being that. Right, right. So and I'll, one I'll, left. Gi I'll give you, I'll, 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 uh, I'll lend another story. And this okay. is a story with my son, which was about 10 years ago. And we had an incident where we had a dog that was 13 years old, same age as my son at the time. And mm -hmm. the dog was, was ill and we had to put the dog to sleep. And we returned from the hospital, and, and I looked at my son, and he went up in his bedroom. And I walked in, and I said, hey, how you doing? He said, you know, Dad, I'm doing okay. And I remember saying to myself, you know, what can I do? What can I do? And I did for me, which was something that I never received from my child, from my father. And I walked over to him, and I put my arms around him, and I 
I took his arms and I put them around me, and he started to cry. And within a few seconds, his, his tears intensified and his grip on me intensified. And, and I realized what I was doing was giving my son a safe place, a place to cry in his father's arms. I never had that as a kid. These are the little things in life that create such a big impact. <clears throat> and for my son to know that he was safe enough to do that with me, this was my oldest son, it's giving him a message that he's, it's okay to be who he wants to be, not mm -hmm. necessarily who everybody else wants him to be. It's a huge message. So you're basically giving your child the space to be him or her. And uh, if I get it correct, not only that, but that they learn to accept who they are. Yeah. And they because don't, you're willing. Right. And whatever it is, whatever emotion that they have, sadness, crying, uh, whatever it is, that they could come to me. There's, mm -hmm. there's nothing more important than that. I could tell you that I never had that as a kid. I never had somebody to go to. When I, when I was abused in Catholic school, I could never come home and tell my parents because they would just reinforce the fact that I deserved the abuse. That is not how a person grows up with strong self-esteem. That is how a person grows up to either be a victim to other people or a bully to other people, which yeah. uh, many times a bully is a victim first. That's a whole new show, but <laughs> that's, that's really what, what it's about. Absolutely. Is there anything that you feel through your personal life? Excuse me? Life and being a parent yourself or something that you see daily in a listener that is listening out there that what it is in themselves that they really need to heal. Well, you know what? You have to first ask you que the question, are you happy in your own skin? And, you know, are you playing the role you really want to play in life? Or are you playing a role that you were set up to play based on childhood messages? You know, we talk about, I, I, I do many radio interviews, and I talk about who's, who out there is the people pleaser, who out there is the caretaker, Who's the victim? Who's the defiant one? Who's the invisible one that lo lo loses their voice in their relationships because as a child they lost their voice? You know, all of these roles that were set up to play by our childhood messages can only be changed if these messages, in my opinion anyway, and this is my methodology, the messages have to be exposed. If you mm -hmm. become aware of that, then you got a shot to take the actions, and then finally you can maintain those actions. So without awareness, you don't know what actions to take, and without action, it's really nothing to maintain. Yeah. But I think that most people really do not feel good in their skin, and they have no idea where to start. Right. So Agreed. what would you suggest to that person that is listening right now? They know they, know they need help, but where to start? First, I believe, is put pen to paper. Write down your messages and see if you could see how those messages created who you are. Second, it becomes a we process. Get a hold of a little support group, whether it's a therapist or a coach. could be family. could be friends. Get a hold of people that you trust, that you're safe with, that know you want to change these roles, that know you're looking to change who you are, and utilize them to hold you up on those days, as you said, you become so paralyzed you can't put your foot forward. And then, again, try to maintain that with your support group, whoever they are. Now, don't, don't grab a hold of people that are going to judge you or tell you what you're doing wrong. You don't need that. If you got a, a warden in your head, you don't need somebody to justify the warden. Get a hold of people that 
you know are going to help you know what you're doing and support you. And that's really how you change. First, you become really aware of your actions. You take actions with the help of other people, and you try to maintain it. But often we do the opposite, though. I, I would say that if I think negative about myself on the subject, then I will find the people that are going to validate that negativity. Uh, you're 100% right. Because and I need to then go to myself again and say, see, I told you. <laughs> you're, you're, no, you're 100% right. That That's why change is so hard. Even healthy change creates tremendous fear. Unfortunately, many of us are, are comfortable in the bad stuff. We're comfortable in the isolation, in keeping to ourselves. What we're uncomfortable doing is what I'm saying to do, come out of yourself and do things differently, the healthy stuff. You know, I heard it said a long time ago, if you do what Joey's did, you're going to get back what Joey's got back. And mm -hmm. it's a very simple sentence, but it really says it all. It really does, but it's so hard to do. Because when, once you put positive people in your life, you're so surprised. Right. It's hard to Especially do. Especially for people like you and me that have had a background that's not too pleasant. Right. Because you kind of go, okay, they're giving me a compliment. Why? <laughs> you right. know, this is Right. No, you, you, you're 100% right. I could never take compliments either. I, I, and then I was told one day, when somebody compliments you, Tom, just say thank you. Yeah. Just say thank you. Thank you. Be dignified. And that's about all you need to do. Yeah, but you know what? You, you're right when you said it's hard to do. And I will... I will um, say more to that. It's hard to do by yourself. That's why you need to make it a we process. But you need those healthy people. Maybe it is a therapist or a coach. I run support groups. The groups that I run um, three times a week, there are a bunch of people that are constantly supporting each other so they can silence the warden and stop listening to his commands or her commands. Oh, I see absolutely what you mean. Listen, Thomas, I could talk to you for hours, for days. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you know what I think we should do? Uh, we should do a follow-up. So sure. I'll send you out a little email uh, this weekend and see if we can do a little follow-up because I think we only just scratched the surface, if you agree. I 100% agree. Because, yep. honest, it's, it's a tiny surface that's been scratched and people will want to know more. And you know what I'll do? Um, when the link is up on, on Voice America, you and I are both going to listen to it and know what the second part would be. Very good. Very good. Does that sound good? And for the listeners out there, I thank you very much for tuning in. And as you know, you can listen anytime at your own convenience to Voice America, to the Might Radio Show. And Thomas Gagliano, I thank you for your insights about how we could be heroes for our children. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. You're very welcome. And I'm going to contact you this weekend. You got it. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week. And until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.